Hey everybody, this is George Brashear with Shakedown of Thunder Sports, and you're about to watch the two Irish brothers. Go Irish! What is up, everybody? I'm Irish Benjamin 57. I am Indy Sean 45. And together we are the two Irish brothers. And joining us today is a very special guest. Most people that are in the Notre Dame community know him as Clint Johnson. Clint, welcome to the show and introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Uh, Clint Johnson, um, 1990 uh, recruiting class, 94 graduate Notre Dame. Um, man, what can I say? Part of a great group of guys that came in under Coach Holtz, and um, you know, excited to be on the show. Thank you very much. All right, now, Clint. Um, one thing that we like to do with all our guests, especially former players, and everybody has a story to tell. Uh, I'd, I personally, I'd like to know a little bit about your background growing up and um, how you first got involved with uh, with the sport of football. And uh, well, I actually was born in a small town called Paducah, Kentucky. A lot of athletes actually came out of Paducah. Um, and so I um, actually ended up moving to Orlando when I was 12 years old with my mom and uh, continued to play football, Pop Warner, all that good stuff. And and um, eventually, you know, I think the word kind of got around town about this young kid that I guess had some wheels and could run. And, and so uh, my local high school, which was Lake Brantley High School, um, you know, they were, I guess, awaiting my arrival. And so the Coaches used to come out and watch me on Saturday mornings play, and and uh, obviously eventually I got to uh, high school and had a really good freshman year. Uh, didn't play varsity; they wanted me to play varsity, but our high school team was actually pretty bad when I first got there. And um, and so my mom didn't want me to play varsity. She's like, "No, you're not ready." And so my um, freshman end of the year in the spring, I ended up going up to varsity and and. Um, you know, we put in the uh, triple option back then. I ran the triple option. Um, so it was quarterback. Um, it was actually actually the first black quarterback in my high school. Ooh, wow. And, um, yeah. And so um, we um, we went on to uh, do some pretty good things. I broke my thumb my sophomore year, kind of in like the eighth or ninth game of the season. Um, but was, was was doing pretty well my sophomore year. So it was a lot of expectation going into my junior season. And so coming into my junior year, uh, things just really exploded for me. Um, had a great season. Um, almost like a thousand yards rushing and another seven, eight hundred passing somewhere in there, six, seven hundred, eight thousand. Um, I, um, you know, started getting a lot of uh, acknowledgement, a lot of uh, awards and all that good stuff in my junior year. And um, and then going into you know the spring, you know, obviously the recruiting started happening. Started getting a, a ton of recruiters showing up at practice my, my um, going into my senior year, the end of my junior year. Um, got invited by, you know, Bobby Bowden. I was getting recruited by – actually, Florida State was like the first school that really recruited me. So I uh, got invited to all of Bobby Bowden's camps. Um, you know, they had me on their radar early. Um, so went to a lot of the camps at Florida State, Florida. Um, and then at that time, um, Furrier was actually at Duke. And uh, hadn't quite made it to Florida yet. And so nobody really knew what Florida was going to be like. Um, they were on probation at the time. And so um, I um, 
you know, was, was getting hit heavy by Florida. They wanted me to come in. Um, but I just was a little leery on the whole probation thing and what was going on with them. Um, at that time, Colorado was a very hot program. Um, I guess depending on what, you know, what publication you looked in, obviously back then everybody was looking at Tom Fleming's and, uh, you know, a couple of other like uh, regional. Um, so I was like the number one option quarterback uh, at one point in time. So I was recruited heavily by Oklahoma, Nebraska, Colorado, all those schools that ran the triple option back then. Um, the um, office coordinator at Colorado back then was uh, Gary Barnett, who ended up being the head coach at Northwestern. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think he was at my house, I want to say, at least once a week uh, trying to get me to go to Colorado. And uh, so I ended up taking my official visits to uh, – I went out to Arizona first because they were in the triple option also. So Dick Tomey was the head coach then. And Tomey kind of drove me around the entire trip in his car and recruited me really hard. Then I went to Colorado, and obviously uh, Darian Hagan, who was, you know, kind of a whiz of the triple option back then, and Eric Bieniemy. those guys were my hosts when I was there. Um, my third trip, I went to Georgia. Uh, and then my fourth trip was Notre Dame, and then my fifth trip was Michigan. So those were kind of my recruiting trips. Um, you know, I didn't know, uh, obviously, a whole lot. I mean, I was a huge Tony Rice fan, obviously, because of the triple option. I was a huge Jamel Holloway fan because of the triple option. They had another guy at Oklahoma named Charles Johnson. Uh, so I was always called CJ. They used to call him CJ. So I related a lot to him until, until he got in a lot of trouble and I didn't have to unrelate to him. Um, oh, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I studied the triple option. I mean, you know, back then, obviously, everybody had uh, v, VCRs. So I would record every Oklahoma game, every Notre Dame game back then, and I would study you know, what Tony Rice did. I was studying what Jamel Holloway did. I was studying what Charles did, what, what Darian Hay. I mean, you know, and I just, those were my idols. Those are the guys I looked up to. Uh, those are the guys I wanted to be like, you know, I wanted to play college football. I never really thought, you know, obviously going into high school that, you know, I was going to be a college football player or make it beyond that. Um, and then as just, as life went on, as, as, you know, as I got better, as my speed, you know, I was, I was always pretty quick, but as my speed increased, as I got into high school too, um, you know, it just, just things kind of fell in place for me. And, and, uh, then Vinny Serrato, who was the recruiting coordinator for Notre Dame at that time, started showing up almost on a weekly basis too. And, um, you know, I think with Vinny, Vinny was like the only recruiter that could come in my house with my mom and Vinny would literally take his shoes off, uh, put his national championship ring on our, on our, uh, on our living room table. And, uh, and my mom was just like, whatever, like nobody else came in. It was ever that comfortable, you know, but Vinny just came in and made himself at home. You know what I mean? So we all love Vinny to death. You know, we all, I think all of us have a great Vinny Serrato story, but Vinny was just that guy, you know what I mean? Like he could sell you swamp land, you know what I mean? He was just, he was just, he was one of those guys that was just great at what he did, you know? And, uh, you know, I look back, I look now, you know, where these kids got access to huddle and all these other different like recruiting services and all that stuff. Now, yeah. That stuff didn't exist, you know, back then. And so I just look back and I think about it now, like, man, Vinny Serrato was even, he was even more of a man than I thought he was when I look at, back at what he actually had to do. I mean, he actually had to get on the plane. He actually had to go do these things. And he was all over the country getting guys, you know. And so it was an amazing thing that, you know, he did and, and how he was able to get all these guys to South Bend, Indiana. And, uh, you know, I remember coming in and, and uh, I, uh, it was funny, uh, it was a, a good friend of mine here that is still, we're still good friends to this day, a guy named Tiger McMillan and played at Florida State. And uh, Tiger and I went to Notre Dame on our visit together. And, uh, you know, I remember getting there and, 
And, you know, just obviously, you know, the first time you ever see Notre Dame, you're in awe of everything. And, and I remember um, going in and, and Tiger and I kind of had this pack. And Tiger was like, man, whatever you do, don't commit. Don't commit on, on site. Do not commit. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about everything. And then we're going to talk about where we're going to commit. I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm you're good. Your business partner. I'm good. Yeah, we're good. We're not going to make any decisions, right? So I go in my morning meeting with hosts. I went in before he did. And uh, and I'm sitting down with hosts and, you know, and he's going through his whole spiel about, you know, how we want you and all this stuff. And, and so he pulls out this little canister. It's probably about this big. And he's got uh, a, a mustard seed in it, right? And so he says to me, he says, uh, if you have faith in our program and faith in me, the size of this mustard seed will win national championships while you're here as a player. And, man, I just got, like, goosebumps all over. I was just like, I'm coming. <laughs> I committed on the spot. <laughs> that was the path. I committed. That was that. You know, and it, and it, and it, didn't, it didn't hurt, man. I think we got there during uh, winter workouts, too. So I came in, like, January. And uh, Rocket was running his, uh, his 40. And so I just remember, you know, me and Tiger were sitting there together, you know, I mean, you just can imagine being, you know, 17 years old and there's a rocket, you know, the rocket Ishmael. And, and, you know, you see him on TV, you see all this stuff on TV and we're in Loftus. And, uh, and so it was loud. Everybody was talking, but rocket gets up to the line to run his 40 and you could have heard a pin drop in that place, you know? And then he just takes off to run that 40 and everybody's like, Ooh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> you know? Like the and flash. So, yeah. So it, Oh, it was just, it was incredible, you know. And so, you know, it's just the whole thing, uh, you know, sold me for sure. And, and uh, you know, I had family in Chicago. Uh, my mom's brother was from Chicago, was living in Chicago. So for me, it was kind of a, um, a connection for family. Obviously, the ability to go to school like Notre Dame, uh, the education piece. Obviously, they had just won a national championship in 88. Uh, they had the number one uh, graduation rate at that time also for, uh, for their uh, – uh, athletes. And so, it, you know, my mom was sold and when she was sold, I mean, it was pretty much, it was pretty much a done deal from there. And I'm sure I want to uh, say, I want to say, well, actually my mom, she went, she went on my Notre Dame visit and on my Michigan visit. She didn't go on any other one. So I think Notre Dame sold her. And this is probably a very basic question, but, uh, being a kid from Florida, it was probably quite a culture shock going there and being in a, uh, uh, freezing conditions. Man, let me tell you, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I'll never forget my freshman year. Uh, I was running track at Notre Dame also, and I and I tore my groin. And so um, if we were running track, you were excused from, um, from 6 a.m. workouts because we had track workouts. And so when I tore my groin, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move, basically. And so I never forget Coach Hayes uh, was one of our, our, uh, our D-line coaches back then. And uh, so I'm, I, I was in Pangborn Hall, which if you know, obviously Notre Dame's campus back then, Pangborn is on the far, far other opposite side of where Loftus was. It had snowed for literally like three to four days straight. And the snow was like literally up to like your shins. And I don't, I don't even think I had boots. I know I didn't have a coat at that time. And so I think I was just getting all that stuff. And, and so it's 6 o'clock in the morning. My phone is ringing off the hook. And, uh, and I answer the phone for him, like, oh, you know, he's like, Clint, where are you? I'm like, well, you called me. I'm in my room. What are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is, Coach, this is Coach Hayes. Get your ass to the loftus right now. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, so I end up limping from Pangborn Hall all the way to the loftus. 
oh. only to get there and get on the bike and then be like, Coach Tosh Wilson, we're sorry, we're done. I mean, I was literally there in five minutes, you know, and I had oh. left, it probably took me took me probably 30 minutes to get over there, you know. Right. Ah. So, uh, so, yeah, it's just, just, you know, crazy story, you know. Um, but, you know, it was all part of it. Um, you know, I think probably the other craziest story I had, uh, as an incoming freshman, initially they were going to have me play quarterback and, and flex Rick Meyer out and play some receiver. Obviously, he wasn't going to play receiver, but he was going to flex out and I would come in and run the option. But we're in our first scrimmage uh, live in the stadium, uh, getting ready to play Michigan. And um, and I've been playing receiver all day, and now i got to come in and take a snap. Well, I hadn't taken a snap, you know. So I fumbled a snap, and uh, Coach Holtz loses it, you know. And so the only people on the guest side of the stadium were the chain crew and uh, and the guy that was holding, the, you know, the first down marker or whatever. And, and uh, he says, Clint Johnson, take your ass on that side. If you're going to help the other team, you stand over there with them. So I'm the only guy standing on that sideline with the chain crew while everybody else is on the uh, the other side. So, so yeah, those are a couple good, you know, good stories. And, uh, you know, it was, it was always uh, competitive, you know, you know, some of the guys we talk now and it's like, you know, I just talked, actually, I talked to Devon McDonald the other day and we were just talking about just how competitive it was. Every day was like a game. You know I mean? We had so many guys that were the number one guy or they were the, you know, if not number one, they were number two. And, uh, and it was just extremely competitive, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it brought out the best in us. You know, obviously we had a lot of good, uh, good years uh, during that time. We had a lot of guys go to the NFL and other leagues. And, uh, and so it was just a special time to be there. Awesome. Thank yeah, that's, a, that's incredible. We've all heard the stories of Lou Holtz and his, his temper in practice. We, And it doesn't seem like it when you look at him. You don't think that he would be like no. that. But everybody no, says no. it, so clearly it's there. So – you know, you, you said earlier, you know, you got, were, were with a, a group, a, a great group of guys. And the cool thing with Notre Dame, it seems like, is just everybody seems to impact their community when they when they leave Notre Dame. You know, they say that Notre Dame, you know, sets you up for life after football and everything else that you go into. So the big thing you're doing right now is um, Athletes for Care. And you're currently doing um, Save Youth Sports. So tell us a little bit more about how how you got into that and what this year's event is going on in just a few weeks. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that opportunity. Um, yeah, I'm with Athletes for Care, and it's a, um, a nonprofit organization that uh, works with retired professional athletes. Uh, we work with, we currently have over 200 athletes on our roster that are all across the world. Uh, we have people in the UK. We got guys in, uh, in in Canada. We work with a lot of NHL guys as well. So it's a great organization. A lot of good people involved. Um, and so we've got a push right now. Our campaign that I'm spearheading at this moment is is Save You Sports. And and what that's about is basically we know that COVID has just run rampant, uh, you know, across our country. Um, and we know a lot of families have been impacted by that. Um, and some of the families that have been impacted, obviously, a little bit more are those who are already, already struggling prior to COVID happening. Oh, yeah. And so what and, and, and the trend, we believe, and what we're seeing is that there's been, you know, a lot of these youth programs um, that obviously uh, didn't have maybe the financial uh, backing. Uh, they were relying, obviously, on parents to register kids to pay fees and, and, you know, do fundraising and all that stuff. And because you got a lot of parents who, you know, now are 
or teachers <laughs> at home because they, they, you know, the kids are home, yes. uh, being homeschooled now because of the uh, online schooling. Um, and so, so many things have changed, obviously, over the last, you know, six to seven months. And so, what we did not want to see was to see kids who are already in a situation where they're not having any interaction with other kids anymore because they're home all day being in school. Um, we didn't want to see them lose out on the opportunity to be involved in sports as well. And so our initiative was how can we help, how can we make an impact so that when, when things are better and, and, and then, you know, the green light has been issued again for kids to go out and participate in sports, um, that, you know, you don't have the situation where, mom and dad haven't been able to come up with the funds or won't be able to come up with the funds because of the COVID situation. So we're looking to obviously try and work with those, uh, those type of uh, youth groups and youth organizations that have those type of kids that are in some troubled situations from a standpoint of maybe a financial aspect or they're in a situation, uh, you know, obviously we know in Chicago, you know, there's a lot of gang um, issues that are going on. It's been kind of troubled in Chicago. Um, but Chicago's not the only place that has issues also. And so so our 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 idea and what we came up with in you know our kind of our the shortened version is A4C. You know, you said athletes for care, but we kind of also go by A4C. And so we came up with this A4C tour. And so kind of like the PGA tour, we're taking the golfing experience and we're taking our youth sports initiative all across the country. And so Chicago happens to be our first stop. Uh, we're actually in the process of working out a, our next venue to be up in Dallas, Texas. And nice. so what we know is that, uh, you know, a lot of people are leery to get on flights. Uh, and so we figured, hey, if it's just a couple of us from our organization that goes, goes into a city, it's going to be better and probably less likely uh, to cause an issue than, you know, we, we get 18, 19 guys flying into a place and then now they got to go back to wherever their home place is. Excuse me. And then that's the situation, um, you know, for them and their family. So we were trying to be, um, you know, kind of cognizant and, and knowledgeable and trying to be respectful uh, of all these, uh, you know, things that are going on, all these new requirements. And so mm -hmm. um, so we figured, hey, we'll take we'll take the uh, we'll take the uh, the event to them uh, and, and we'll try and obviously make it a situation where, you know, hey, we're bringing it into your backyard. So um, and hopefully, you know, it, it, it's going to be a better situation. So this first one in Chicago has been uh, very positive so far. We got a lot of response. Uh, we got a lot of guys that have kind of signed up already to come out. Uh, and so we're, we're excited about it. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be on September the 22nd. Uh, it's a Tuesday uh, at Bolingbrook Golf Club. They're uh, just uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and so we're excited about it. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. You know, uh, both Sean and I can – can tell you for a fact that we both were were in youth sports. You know, I was, I came from a family that didn't believe in all that, you know, travel and, and American Legion and all that. I was just in my local city's youth sports up in high school. So, so it's awesome oh. that my, uh, my wife and I both work in public education. My wife works at a very rough uh, school. You know, they have a very, very low income population. So kids like that need those, those opportunities and I work at the high school that those kids feed into and I can tell you for a fact that there are a lot of kids that come from broken homes and yep. they need they need that role model in their life and that structure of the sport and they go from being problems and and looking like they're going to go down a bad path to amazing paths we had a guy the other year 
you know, he played two years of high school football. We got him, they got him involved and now he's playing division two football. So, I mean, and he's very, very bad situation. You know, I would not wish that upon anybody. So it's awesome what you guys are doing. It is amazing back to your communities. And we, we really do appreciate your hard work. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, in that same breath, I know if you're at the high school or at uh, that level or, you know, she's working, um, definitely make sure I get your address because I've got some some items like, you know, maybe some football gloves, chin straps, uh, you know, different things that maybe I can shoot to you as well. Awesome. And, you know, maybe we can be maybe we can be a blessing to some of those kids as well. You know what I mean? I, yeah. You know, little things like that mean a lot to them, you know. And awesome. so yeah, no, and I if we can do it, you know, definitely. Yeah. Make sure you give me your information. Oh, man, I think I think the, I think the school would love that, Ben. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And yeah, yeah, Clint, I mean, I, I uh, echo Ben on that too. I mean, anyone who is is a part of an organization or starts an organization that helps helps kids, you know, who may not have a future. And it's got to feel good to you knowing that, that you and everybody else involved with this organization can, you know, make a kid's life. I mean, that's got, that's got to do wonders for you. It make you feel good. You know, you know, it, it, it definitely does. Um, you know, anytime you can can make an impact on anybody's life, because as, as you guys just said, right, uh, I, I came from, you know, obviously not the, I, it wasn't the poorest, you know what I mean? We're, we weren't poor, but we didn't have everything either, you know? And so, you know, sometimes you don't realize what you don't have until you see somebody else. And, uh, and so coming from the situation I came from, you know, single parent background, um, you know, and just, Again, as you guys just said, right, without you sports, I don't know where I would be today. You know, I can definitely say that because, you know, that's what gave me the um, the integrity factor that I feel I have, character. It built, you know, perseverance, learning how to stick through situations, um, learning how to be a teammate, uh, learning how to do all those things that, you know, are everyday things that you need to be successful in life. And you learn, you start learning those things and you sports. And uh, and it's just uh, it's, it has such a major impact, I think, on society. Uh, and uh, and like you said, as some of these kids need it because at home, maybe it's just it's just a bad situation. And so these couple of hours that maybe they can get away and go to practice uh, and, and interact with some other kids doing something that they love to do. Uh, you know, you just never know what it's going to do uh, for that particular child. And it may like you said, it may have an impact that's so great that, hey, this kid ends up at a college. This kid ends up in the NFL or the NHL or the you know, Major League Baseball or NBA. I mean, you just never know. I mean, uh, you know, we all know we're all sports fans, and there's stories every year uh, of, of kids that you just didn't know, man, I, I didn't realize he went through all that, you know. And yeah. and uh, and so, you know, it's, it's out there, you know. And, and so for some of these kids, um, you know, it's all they got. Uh, for some of these kids, it's their only way out. Uh, and for some of these kids, you know, it's just a passion that grows into a career. And so um, if we can be a part of that, uh, in some small fashion, uh, I mean, like you said, it's an amazing feeling to see that, hey, I was able to at least do something, you know, and uh, and you just never know what doing something will turn into. Absolutely. And, and not just that, but it, it brings it brings a lot of positivity in in a time where I think and I'm not I'm not making any political statement here or anything like that, but it definitely brings a lot of positivity when our society really needs it. Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, sports is one of those things that no matter whether you're white, black, green, yellow, you know, no matter what nationality you are, it doesn't matter. Female, male, 
sports is one of those things that I think has always brought people together. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you go to a stadium, it doesn't matter who you're sitting next to at a stadium. We're all there to cheer and enjoy the game. Uh, you know, and so sports is one of those things that crosses all boundaries. Uh, it knows no color. It knows no uh, no sex. You know, it doesn't know any of those things. Sports is just as pure, I think, as it as anything can be. And, and, and it's one of those things that we, uh, you know, we – we sit down in front of the television with our families to watch it. Uh, you know, if you're a parent, like, you know, you, you're taking your kids to practices, you've been through that. So for all of us, I think in some way, even if you weren't an athlete, in some way, some fashion, you were connected to sports because, you you, you know, you sat in the stands and cheered. Uh, you sat out there in practices, you know, in the yeah. heat with mosquitoes biting you or whatever the case was. You know what I mean? It, right. it just, it, it, it brings families together. And so if we can, you know, again, like I said, we can be a positive positive thing especially in light of everything that's going on in our world right now with covid and everything else um, i think people like you said people need something positive that they can latch on to to show that hey there's still hope out there there's still something good that can happen and people are still interested in doing good things for others and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day you know sports is a way to give back sports is a way that uh, you know we have the ability to connect as human beings and, uh, and at the end of the day that's what life is all about our our connection to others and what we can do for others while we're here on this earth is what it's all about. Oh, and, I, and myself personally, I cannot tell you how many, you know, coming together experiences I've had because of uh, sports, but, you know, primarily going to Notre Dame in general. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many tailgates I've gone to and just, you know, uh, chatted with people, you know, eating some stuff off their tailgate and all that. And it, it's, it, really, <laughs> it really is a, an awesome thing to just, you know, to just meet new people and get away, get away from all the BS that we see on our in our daily lives. And just have that escape. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I was having that conversation with somebody the other day. I said, you know, sports creates relationships, right? Because at the end of the day, think about it, right? If you played Little League, I don't care whatever, whether it was Little League baseball, Little League football, Little League hockey, you know, somebody has a funny story, right? Somebody got knocked out. Somebody got hit in the, in the nuts. Somebody got, you know, something <laughs> funny happened you at the age of 10 years old but you still laugh about yep. it today because you have that connection right? remember, remember, remember when he got knocked out remember that day you know his chin strap came off and all? i mean everybody has those stories if you ever participate in the right. type of youth sports you know and uh and i think that's what it is you know i mean the longevity that it creates of relationships and friends um that you still stay in touch with to this day and uh, and you always have that connection you know and and that's and again that's what that's what sports does Oh, absolutely! I mean, it, it is a truly awesome thing, and you know we could go, we could go on for hours talking about that. Um, but yeah, Clint, uh, not just uh, changing gears here. Um, of course, Ben and I wanted to make this make this episode talking mostly about you know your foundation and all that. But it would be wrong if we didn't you know ask you some more more Notre Dame stuff, you know, it'd only be fitting, right? <laughs> but you got to, you got to. We're two we're two uh two Irish guys, you gotta talk about Notre Dame. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um I, I'm just really curious to know and I, I know you've probably been asked this a million times, but make it a million and one times. Okay. The nineteen ninety three game against Florida State, the game of the century, yeah. you guys are you know, yeah. I, I'm sure you're going up against a couple of your friends, right? Oh, absolutely. What what was that? Absolutely. What was it like to play in that game on that big stage in that that crazy environment and just getting that that crazy win? I mean, it was just a wonderful day in in Notre Dame football oh. history, and for you to be a part of it. 
Oh, man, absolutely. You know what's crazy is uh, going back to, like, talking about recruiting, right? I mean, you know, part of recruiting uh, process is, right, you're looking at the schedule that's going to be in play while you're, you know, while you're an athlete and student there. So so I knew, obviously, going to Notre Dame or if I went to Florida State, I knew that we were going to play them in 1993, which would have been my, my senior year. And so, man, I mean, the, the preparation that week, I mean, obviously – uh, you know, our, our senior year in 93, we were undefeated, you know, going into that game. I mean, it was just the, the hype, the build up to everything. It was amazing, you know, especially because, you know, it was your senior year, you put in all this work. And here we are, uh, you know, coming in as the number one recruiting class uh, from 1990. And now here we are, I think, finally kind of living up to the bill um, that, you know, it was a special group of guys. Um, and, and then when you finally get to the game, you know, it was – it was almost like, you know, when I was a kid watching Tony Rice and those guys play Miami, you know, I mean, it was kind of like that same type of vibe, you know, it was just, you know, I'm, I'm playing against my home state, you know, I want to put on a show, I want to play some of my best football. And, uh, and so, and it was a great game. I felt like I had a good game that game. Uh, I had a couple of returns, had a few catches. Uh, I think I probably would have had a, 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 a long touchdown because we ran it out and up and Kevin, Mac, uh, Kevin McDougal actually ended up getting sacked on the play. But uh, Corey Sawyer, who was another friend of mine, was playing DB. He also wore number eight at Florida State at that time. He bit really hard on the out because I had called an out on him earlier in the game. And so I'm running down the field just by myself, and I look back and K-Max on his back, and I'm like, ah. You know, but it was just – it was an amazing game. Um, you know, you know, I know we watched it. Obviously, they were playing some of those games during the uh, – during the quarantine time, they were playing some of the, you know, the, the Notre Dame games from the from the vault, the NBC vault. So I know it was on there. A bunch of us were watching it at that time. And, and uh, you know, it's always fun to look back and reflect on those times. And, it, you know, it was just one of those uh, once-in-a-lifetime type things that you obviously were fortunate enough to be a part of. And, uh, and you know, I loved every minute of it. You know, I loved every minute of it. It was a nail-biter. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we don't talk much about the week after that. Um, yeah. But it, uh, it was uh, – <laughs> It was, uh, but it was, a, it was a great experience, definitely. You know, since you brought it up, Boston College—they will always be on my hit list of teams I dislike the most, just because of that. And I know they got us again oh, in two thousand two. They play Notre Dame really tough every year. Doesn't matter the doesn't matter the record. Doesn't matter who's who. It, they always just seem to be nipping at Notre Dame's heels when it comes to importance. So yeah, no, I yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it just, that game just, uh, you know, and again, this is my opinion, you know. Um, you know, obviously we ran the ball real heavy during that, that time frame. But we had some really good receivers, you know, Lake Dawson, myself, uh, Derek Mays. Yes. Uh, you know, we had a really we had a really good group, core group of receivers. And I know Skip wanted to, you know, and, and if you look back at that senior year, I mean, we played Michigan, we spread it out. I mean, we at one point we had five receivers on the field, you know. And so we had the ability to do it. And, you know, we used to call ourselves back then, we called ourselves the Afros. And so that stood for America's finest receivers on Saturday. And so we had little t-shirts and all that stuff. I love it. So, so, so we took great pride in it, you know. And so the, the thing, again, in my opinion is we, we tried to prove a point that we could run the ball against uh, Boston College that game. And uh, to Tom Coughlin's credit, you know, they lined up and, and they put nine guys in the box and they dared us to throw it, you know. And and we didn't throw it until I think it was too late. You know, if you remember, we came back late in the game and we yeah. took the lead and everything. But we took the lead throwing the ball, you know. And so I think if, you know, if we maybe would have had, 
had the um, the foresight to maybe throw it a little earlier and not be as conservative. Um, you know, I think I don't really think they could. They didn't have the talent to match up with us, you know. But we kind of played into their game plan because we kept running, you know. And so, uh, you know, and, and even with our talent, we still came back at the end. And then, you know, everybody talks about, obviously, the the – the, the ghost penalty, you know, and, and obviously giving them great field position at the end of the game for the, uh, the field goal. But it was just a heartbreaker, you know. It was one of those things where, you know, we, we felt like, hey, this is our national championship. And then still even after that, you know, uh, we won our bowl game, I think, pretty decisively. Um, you know, Florida State lost to us. And in all those years past, you know, they had split the national championship uh, between two teams. And so we felt like, you know, we deserve to have a portion of it. Obviously, I don't know how you give a team that we beat outright the, the entire national championship back then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, got, it was, it you was guys just, should uh, claim 93. I, I stand with you on that. You should claim it. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're – unfortunately, they're doing us like they did UCF a couple of years ago when they went undefeated. <laughs> you know, you get – we get we get a sympathy championship. You know, we get uh, – Right. A participa- participation trophy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it just UCF did that in the uh, – they didn't do it in the BCS era. They're doing it in the playoff era, and you got to make the playoffs to win it. So, you know, right. back then right. back then it was just – obviously it was different. There was actually like, you know, like a voting committee and all that. So, I mean, it was kind of a toss-up. Yeah, I think, you know, in my opinion, again, I think uh, Bobby Bowden had lost so many of them. And, uh, you know, with the right – uh, wide right and wide left. Uh, I think they were sympathetic to his cause. Uh, and he had some really good teams, to his credit as well. Um, and I think maybe you had some guys on there that maybe didn't like Coach Holtz. And uh, and I think that, you know, maybe that kind of fed into it, that, you know, it was maybe a more of a political decision than, a, than, a, than an unjust decision. Um, because, like I said, I don't see how you can give a team the outright national championship and you lost to the team yeah. that finished second, you know. Um, but I think that, you know, in my opinion, that's that's what it came down to. Yeah, it's just yeah, just doesn't seem right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody in Notre Dame country is going to agree with you on that, you know. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but yeah, so. But I guess uh, one thing, Clint, that uh, I'm sure Ben and I, Ben feels likewise on this. What, even though the circumstances are different this year with Notre Dame, uh, you know, be, with them being in the in a conference for the first time ever. Granted, it's due to. COVID taking effect and screwing with everything. But I got to be honest with you, myself personally, I'm a little bit excited about this year just to see what we can do in a conference and then having the opportunity to go right back to independence. But what, what what are some of your thoughts about, um, about, about Notre Dame being in the ACC for this, for this one season? And how do you think they could, how do you think they could do this year? Well, I'll tell you, it it is going to be interesting um, to see, you know, how they, uh, how they match up. I mean, I don't think the ACC, other than Clemson, you know, is is a overpowering conference. You know, it'd been different if they put them in the SEC, um, but uh, I think in the ACC they 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 could hold their own. You know, I think Clemson is the big challenge there. Um, you know, perennially, you know, at this point they're they're there every year it seems like, right. um, and so so it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out and how they uh, how they match up. You know, with those guys. Um, you know, you know the the crazy thing that I keep hearing about. You know, and I. Obviously, I'm, I'm still tied into football like everybody else. But, uh, you know, you, you keep getting these uh, these notifications that, like, 44 guys have gone down, you know, with COVID. Or, or you know, at, at Oklahoma, they lost an entire position group, you know. And so, right. you know, the whole the whole aspect of preparation, which, you know, in football is major, um, 
I just, you know, that's going to be the thing that I think is going to be the most challenging this year is, you know, when you lose, you know, you're starting the offensive line and then you got to go into a game with the, the other guys. Yeah. Or, or, you know, it's just, it's just so many unknowns right now, you know, and I think that's going to be the kicker. That's going to be the challenge for most teams, I think, to make it through this particular college football season. And so how coaches handle that, how these players handle that, I think that's going to be the, the, um, that's going to be the, um, you know, I guess the smoking gun, I guess we want to label it that because, you you know, you may have guys on the field because you just don't have any choice. Yeah, like your your kicker could be on the line if you had to. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, just, yeah, it, 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 it's going to be like Pop Warner out there. You know what I mean? it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows, you know? Yeah, okay. but, um, but I'll tell you. Hey, they may pull some people out of the stands. If you guys are there, you might get made to bring a helmet this year, you know? <laughs> All right, student section. Who has eligibility? Right. Okay, you, you get get, get down here. Put down the trombone. Get down here. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing, and just with the with the overall um, football landscape in general. And for the record, I wish none of this happened. I wish the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and uh, who were the other two, Mountain West and um, the MAC. Matt. I I wish they didn't drop out. I wish things stayed normal, but. You know, I can't help but be a little bit excited with the uh, the new faces that we could see in some of the major bowl games in the playoffs, possi- possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what they say. I mean, you know, uh, one man's tragedy is another man's opportunity. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that's that's what you got here. You know what I mean? There's, there's going to be some some opportunities out there for people to make a name for themselves. You know, unfortunately, you know, also in that same breath, you know, some some guys may lose out on opportunities to, yeah. to play at the next level. Uh, and, and not just from an NFL standpoint, you got the high school situation too, right? You're going to have some kids that may lose out on opportunities to get scholarships. So, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate, you know, how this is unfolding for uh, for some kids as well. Um, because, you, again, you just don't know. You know, I mean, you got kids that may have offers right now, um, but who knows, you know, if they don't play their senior year, do those offers stay in place? How does the NCAA handle all this? You know, I heard there was some some conversation going on about them obviously, uh, you know, kind of granting eligibility uh, for kids to come back. I think that's the right thing to do in this situation. Um, you know, so, it, you know, it's going to be a thing that obviously all of us are going to be paying attention to and watching to see how it unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is definitely a, um, you know, a very unique situation that we're all caught up in. Um so, yeah, I mean, th- things are definitely different this year, that's for sure. But, um, you know, I guess that's, like I was saying, I guess that's where you kind of take the good with the bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you, don't really, you don't really have a choice at this point but to take the good with the bad because you don't know, you know, at this point you really don't know what the bad is. You know, I mean, it's, it's like an experiment, you know, every week. Um, you don't know, you know, what's going to happen from week to week. You don't know what's the next, what's the new rules, what's going to happen. How many people, you know, I heard at Notre Dame they're going to let what like twenty thousand people come in the stadium. Yeah, it's not even you the average. It's not even the average yeah. fans like us. It's just staff, right. students, and parents. Yeah. So you know, again, going back to your Pop, Pop Warner days, you know, when you got just your family there at the games, and uh, and that's it. You know, so it's going to be um, you know an adjustment for everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in in these times, you know, it's it's all uncertain. But uh, going full circle, the one thing that is certain is your awesome charity event that is coming up in two weeks. Um, this will be a good a good way to wrap up the show. So tell everybody where they can find um, all the information for that, 
and um, how they can get involved and all that. Yeah, they can go to uh, athletesforcare.org. Um, a lot of information is on there. You can also go on my social media too, which is uh, Clint Johnson. You should be able to find me on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, you know, if, if you want to make a donation, um, it's, it's saveyousports2020.com. You can make a donation there. Um, and so, um, but feel free to, to contact me at any given time if there's an interest or you uh, want to know more information about it as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we're like I said, we're excited about it. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we love to have people come out and get involved. There'll be some um, some former Notre Dame football players there. Excuse me. Uh, we're also going to have some former NFL players, some guys that play for the Bears. Uh, we've got some some Seahawks. We've got uh, so, so it's going to be a little bit of a, a nice little bag of uh, surprises, I think, for people out there. So anybody that's in the Chicago area is interested in coming out and participating, playing, we welcome it. Uh, we love to have you, and uh, it's all for a great cause. Awesome. Well, if that doesn't get people's attention, I don't know what else will. But, oh. but yeah, to everybody watching, uh, yeah, these links we will have posted in the description box for you below. And, yeah, like Clint said, if you guys are in the area or just looking for a little getaway if you're close by, make sure and go uh, go participate if you're able to. So, so yeah, uh, with that said, Clint, um, I don't have anything else to ask you. Ben, do you have anything that you'd like to know from Clint? I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> all right, well – uh clint we can't thank you enough for joining us it has been a real pleasure i mean anytime we get we get a chance to talk to to former players but just not just for being a player but for someone like yourself who's doing such a great thing for a lot of a lot of kids out there i mean that's truly admirable and we we thank you for what you're doing hey well guys i appreciate you having me on the show today and uh and uh you know you guys are doing great stuff too uh, anybody that's obviously involved with Notre Dame, I'm always intrigued and I always want to get involved too. So love to come back on the show anytime you guys want me. Let me know. I'll definitely come back. Um, and then, you know, I'm wishing you guys well and everything you're doing and stay safe out there and stay healthy. Definitely tell Doc Moriarty I said hello. Uh, great man. Did a lot of great things for me personally while I was there. Kept me healthy. Uh, and so, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, always go Irish. And uh, anything that I can do, uh, you know, again, make sure you send me that information. I'm going to get you those yep. gloves and stuff, too. And yep. uh, anything that I can do for you guys, uh, I'm, I'm, by all means, just let me know. Well, just you co- just you coming on is a big help. I mean, we're, we're still – we're a small show. We're working our way up. Uh, and so, yeah, just just anybody we can get on the show is a, definitely a big help already. <laughs> all right. We love supporting us causes, too. So having yes. you on has been an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Well, thank you so much, Clint. And on that note, everyone, I am ND Sean 45. I'm Irish Benjamin 57. And on that note, everyone, we say God bless, good night, and go Irish, baby. Go Irish. Go Irish.